0: Welcome to episode 86 of With Heart and Wonder. This is the episode where we are diving into the topic of money. I've got to say, this is actually an episode I've been wanting to do for quite some time, like at least two years, in part because of my own sort of fraught history with money. And when I say that, I just mean it's an area of life where there has been for me a lot fear. At the same time, as there's been this real kind of curiosity about how I might do things differently, how I might be in a relationship with money that is more curious and compassionate and creative, one that really aligns with my values and the vision that I have for myself and for the world. One of the reasons that it took so long to bring you this episode is because I really wanted to find the right person. I found that in conversations around money, there can be folks that focus so much on the strategic and those really practical tools. And there can also be folks that are more spiritually oriented and talk about things like manifesting and affirmations, and I've always most appreciated the approaches that blend those two things together. I am so, so happy to bring you today's conversation with Tara Winters. What I think you'll hear as you listen to this episode is the way in which she blends the spiritual as well as the strategic and the practical all from this place of compassion and curiosity and playfulness. Now let me introduce you to Tara. Tara Winters is an award-winning money and spirituality coach, soul guide, speaker, writer, and mother of three. After years of hiding her spirituality while working as a corporate accountant and downplaying her money wisdom in the spiritual world, she discovered that money and spirituality can in fact truly elevate one another. She now brings her unique medicine to lovingly guide people back to their souls and to radically shift the way they see, relate to, and create money so they feel rich inside and out. Let's dive in to today's interview. Tara, it is such a gift to have you here with us today. I am truly buzzing with excitement already just knowing how beautiful this conversation is going to be as it unfolds. Thank you so much for being with us.
1: Oh, it's such a joy, such a joy. Thank you for having me.
0: I would love to start out knowing a little bit about your journey and the fact that you come to the work that you are doing now from a place of having been a corporate accountant and hiding spirituality. And then also being a a spiritual seeker, hiding your relationship with money and how good you are with money. And then realizing that these two things, these two parts of you actually could come together in a way that they not only could coexist, but could really elevate one another. Can we start here? Can you tell us a little bit about your journey in terms of bringing the soul and the financial, the money wisdom together.
1: So yeah, I was in a global investment bank and surrounded, surrounded by like full corporate energy Um, at, at that particular point in my career. And talking about things like tarot cards or spirituality was like a big no-no really when it comes to career progression and, and being seen as a professional. And so from a young age really a young adult embarking in that world I learned to really hide that aspect of myself that that side of myself was not welcome or celebrated uh, it was often belittled and so I I did learn to hide that but th- I always seemed to find like one or two magical people where we'd have whispered conversations you know about our uh, spirituality or about you know tarot readings and things like that and so it did lead to a little bit of a split in me. And what was interesting is that I think I was probably in my late 20s and there was this one defining moment where I remember looking up at work and looking out across this office floor. You know, we there were so many you know, people and desks and, and all these people that were making um, like really like a load of money, like really high income earners. And I remember looking out and I thought, it doesn't strike me as seeing anybody here that's particularly happy and you know at that point I had been working really really hard to be on that trajectory and to climb the corporate ladder and it led to a little bit of what i would probably call a quarter life crisis at that point which i actually think i've i've reframed quarter life and midlife crises to be awakenings really um it's a time where we get to to open our eyes to something a little bit bigger than we've lived before and at that point I started exploring uh, more of my spiritual side because I thought if I can't find happiness in making lots of money which is what I've been led to believe by you know society at large really where can I find happiness and I come from an Indian heritage and so I did have you know things like ideas of around yoga and astrology and that kind of thing uh, were present in my childhood, but I grew up in the Western world, so I learned to again hide those things because they weren't necessarily accepted. Um, but in my early twen- uh, late twenties, sorry, e- exploring that spiritual side of me again and being in beautiful spiritual circles and yoga groups and really with you know beautiful humans, but I noticed in that world that there were a lot of people that had a disdain for money, like who really turned their backs on money and had an um, anger or underlying fear, although I don't know if they'd necessarily express it that way, um, around money. And it struck me as like there's these two extremes, like there's these polar opposites of one world is like worshipping money and putting that ahead of everything else. And there's this other world that is turning its back completely on money and and sometimes to their own detriment you know there were times when they couldn't afford to do things that they really would have loved to have done and it got me wondering if there was like a middle path somewhere where it wasn't worshiping money but there was like a a sacredness or a reverence around money and where you know money I, I could be in right relationship with money and and that's really what got me started on, on this path of exploring how I could use money as, an, as a tool for personal development and spiritual growth and how I could um, yeah, come back into right relationship with it.
0: I can so vividly picture you in your office looking out over the sea of unhappy people and also you in a spiritual space. And the disdain for money. I can so clearly picture both of those extremes. And I love where you have come to and how you so beautifully worded it of this like sacredness and reverence for money without the worshiping. Can we talk for a moment about what does like a heart-centered and soulful and sacred relationship with money look like or what does that mean for you
1: listen I think oh actually I know money is a completely made-up thing yes like we it is (laughs) it's such a um a human construct and so uh, I actually think it's a beautiful tool for for coming back into our heart center and for questioning our relationship with it And I think um, for me, it means, you know, at every point where I get almost triggered around money, where I notice there's, you know, like mind games or a bit of a spiral or strong emotions around it, it's an invitation to explore, okay, what's that bringing up for me? What deeper truth is there in this? And uh, a lot of it really is around how, I grew up around money and, I, and this is true for, for everyone. You know, we all come to money as adults thinking that, you know, it's a very black and white topic. This is, it's just money. You know, you're either good at it, good with it or not, or you grew up with it or not and there's, there's not, not a lot of nuance around it. But actually every household has like a different energy around money and that is dependent on the way that your parents or carers grew up around money themselves. Without even realizing it we're swimming in people's attitudes and beliefs around money and as children we're sponges we soak all of that up and we assume them to be the truth and so you can imagine that somebody that grows up in a really um, you know a household that has wealth and that has like more relaxed attitudes around money perhaps would come to, to money as an adult with a very different perspective than somebody who maybe lived in, I mean, we don't even have to go to extreme poverty, somebody that just struggled, you know, lived in a family that struggled around money and perhaps whose parents um, argued about money or, you know. My own personal journey is that I, my parents emigrated from India to Australia when they, when my mum was pregnant with me They immigrated with not much money, with uh, a toddler and, you know, a soon-to-be baby, no safety net. And I grew up around in like an immigrant household that really struggled Um, and there was an idea of, you know, scarcity at every point. And I later then went on to receive an academic scholarship at a private school where I was surrounded by uh, lots of kids who, had a lot of money and I didn't and that almost reinforced my feeling of you know the haves and the have-nots and scarcity. From that I developed an insecurity around money and it's something actually that I see fairly commonly around people who grew up in households similar to to mine that you know there, there is no amount of money that can address that insecurity inside and that's something that you know that's the inner work, to be done to address that inner, secu- inner security because otherwise it's this endless chase for more on the outside when you, you'll you never feel it on the inside. And so I think for each of us it is around really looking into how we grew up around money and how that shaped us.
0: I thank you for sharing a little bit about your journey with money and, and giving us these examples of the way in which – your family of origin and your history has shaped the views and the interactions and and almost the opportunities to stretch and grow also. And it, it just makes me think about what you, you said in terms of like when there are these areas of resistance that we have around money, it's a window to learn not just about something in relationship to money, but maybe about ourselves in general. And money can be this vehicle to that personal development, that self-awareness, and and I guess for a more compassionate relationship with ourselves ultimately.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Yes, yes,
1: yes. A thousand times over to everything you just said. Um, yeah, it is the ultimate tool, I think, for opening that window into looking at your self-worth and um, into looking at your value as a human. And look, we exist within a capitalist system and, you know, within that there are so many oppressive systems, right, and it's difficult to separate the two. Uh, but ultimately you know, things like capitalism teach us that, our worth is defined by how much money we have or earn and it also teaches us that there's never enough. And so, you know, coming into an exploration around that and separate, like just being able to create a, a pause between that system that tells us these things and, and really questioning whether that's our, the truth I think, is something that each of us can benefit from. And I imagine a world where all of us do this work and how different our world would look. As you and I, you know, just before we hit record, speaking about we're living in, in really big times in this world and there's a lot of change. And I think a lot of, of the things that are going on, I've got some roots in capitalism. And so it's no... Yeah, and it's no wonder that, you know, so many of us have a tortured relationship with money because we have seen the pain that can be caused when money is prioritised over people, over our humanity, over the earth. And so there really is, you know, it is totally understandable that we have a really tortured relationship with money because of that. You know, when we're at heart's, centred humans who see that, we feel that deeply. And so I imagine a world where, you know, one by one at a grassroots level, all of us coming back into right relationship with money and the impact that would have for us as a collective, you know, when when we do that work. And so I don't actually think it's money that is the bad thing. Money is a really neutral object like as we said it's a human construct it's made up but it's what humans will do for it and and the the shadow aspects of ourselves that you know can be brought out in the chase for it that is the thing to look at and so I think almost separating the two and and the way that I find it a far a simpler a simple way to do this is you know picturing you or someone else a newborn baby being born right they they have no concept of money money it's like a totally foreign concept, and they're taught about it over time. And it's almost like trying to come into that really new, fresh relationship with money, seeing it with new eyes, seeing it for the first time now, and realizing in you know in all the ways that our, you know our patterns that we've established around it no longer serve us, no longer serve the people around us, and ultimately, my mission, my goal. Is to have more money in the hands of heart-centered people because I know that heart-centered people circulate their money in aligned and intentional ways that uplift others, and you know, heart-centered people use mutual money in heart-centered ways, and so it that is my goal ultimately is to um, support heart-centered humans to really rewrite their relationship with money so that I can get more of it into their hands and and change the world.
0: I'm just filled with all of the feelings hearing you talk. And I just, this vision that you are holding for us to, this invitation really to create a new relationship with money, but also a new way of interacting and seeing and using money it strikes me that there is so much possibility there and yet it feels like in this world right now you spoke about this issue of um that inner sense of security and the safety and i wonder i mean so i'll share it's evening as we're recording for me. And and this morning had this little moment where some of my own money stories came up where I was kind of like, how can I hold space for a conversation with Tara today around money when it like the world is like, it just, you, you know, like how do I get myself in the headspace to talk about money? And yet, like you spoke to so much of the anguish and the harm that is being experienced is ultimately coming from, it's not the fault of money, but that insecure relationship with money of people, the greed of people wanting more out of a desire and a false belief that if they have more, there will be more of a sense of protection. I'm curious in your work, Tara, how do we start to create more safety around money?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Look, there are a few ways here. I I call on tools that are both spiritual and very practical grounded tools because, you know, we're spiritual beings having a human experience and we need both. And so in terms of um, my more spiritual tools, you know, uh, for me sitting in meditation and connecting to something bigger than me, um, I feel that, you know, in this moment, right now, in this breath, there is enough. I am okay. I am enough as a human. And so if we do that often enough, that will help to cultivate an in, inner sense of I am enough. I have enough in this moment, you know, and not future trip or um, you know, create anxiety over what's happened in the past, but right now I'm enough. Um, and another one of my spiritual tools is to be in nature, where you know. I observe things constantly growing and expanding and I watch the birds who catch enough for today and they, they catch the worms and the, the little insects that are enough for today and they don't worry about tomorrow and tomorrow they start again. And that reminds me again to bring me back into the present moment and I have enough, I am okay, you know. Um, and so it's it's creating these, I think, cues and and reminders that, on that level. And then on another level, you know, a very practical, you know, I am an ex-accountant, so I do, um, I wouldn't say love a spreadsheet, but I do, (laughs) I do use them. And so I think one of the things that we really do is sit down and calculate exactly how much we would need to be okay each month. Yeah. You know, um, and it is such a powerful thing to do that. Although I know it is a can be a very dry and boring thing to like calculate that kind of thing. But once you do it, you've got a, a ballpark figure in your head of okay, if I if this much is created this month, this much money, then I'm okay. And so it it helps you first of all to celebrate yourself in having enough and being enough. Right? And then it also um, kind of gets you out of this loop of the endless chase for more. And we're multidimensional beings. We can hold multiple things at once, right? So we can hold the fact that we are enough and we have enough for today. And we can also hold an openness to more flowing in and being, you know, um, practicing the art of receiving and and opening ourselves up to more. And on that note too, I, I find that practising the art of receiving is something that has been a very powerful practice in my own life. Uh, I think from this, and this is a very, um, you know, I, I identify as a woman and uh, I was conditioned in that way and so the idea of making sure everybody else is okay before I'm okay and not being too full of myself and, and all that kind of thing. And so what that leads to is on a very small level, you know, when someone pays me a compliment and says, oh, I love your dress, I'll be like, oh, it's something I got this on sale or it's old oh, or, no, you know, and I don't receive a compliment. Or if a friend is like, oh, I'll shout you, copy it, I'll immediately say, oh, no, 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 I'm sure it's my turn, you know, don't, please don't do that. And the the way we do little things is the way we do big things and I think there's a lot to be said for on an energetic level opening ourselves up to receiving because it is my belief, again, and this is showing my spiritual colours, it is my belief that we live in an abundant universe that is always trying to flow and send abundance to us, but it is our kind of conditioning and our patterns and our humanness really that blocks things off as they come. And so much of the work is in opening ourselves up energetically to have those, you know, those things flow through to us. And and yeah, I think that is just a really powerful practice that that probably is more of a spiritual leaning, but there's a place for the spiritual and the practical.
0: All of the practices that you shared were so potent and this practice around the art of receiving is definitely one that I know many people listening are going to really resonate with as an area where they can get a little bit more curious in terms of what that would look and feel like to, if we think of it almost like a muscle, to start to get more comfortable using that muscle and toning that muscle of being able to receive. I wonder, especially in the current economic climate and I do not know what things have been like in Australia exactly over the last little while, but here in Canada, the economic situation has just, with inflation, it's it an economic policy. There has been this real sense of people being stretched, like really, really being stretched. I'm curious if, you know, beyond creating a spreadsheet and getting a real handle on what is happening in somebody's life. I'm curious if there are other tools that folks who are feeling really stretched right now can use to help ground into how they might be able to bring their financial goals to life and find more of that security, that piece, I know some of the spiritual tools you've already shared would apply. I'm just curious, does anything else come to mind?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and first of all, yeah, Australia is uh, experiencing a similar economic climate and uh, radiating out love and compassion for everybody in whatever ways that's affecting you right now, Uh there's a lot that needs to change with our economic systems as well, you know, and I think we're all waking up to the fact that a lot of our systems need changing right now. Yes. Um, but that aside, one of the things that comes to mind that may be supportive is to think about the, the financial goals. Like I love that you mentioned financial goals, right? And to think about the, the feeling that you will have when you reach that financial goal. And the reason I say that is because it used to be my assumption that uh, people would equate having enough money with a sense of freedom. But in my work, I have come to realise that having enough money or more than enough money actually means different things to different people depending on their childhood. And so for some people, it might be, it will give me freedom. For some people, it will give me safety. For some people, security. So it's really picturing yourself having that achieved that financial goal and whatever it looks like for you and whatever, uh, you know, in t- like tangible things you might have or behave, you know, like around having those things what is the feeling inside you that you will have then and then finding ways to cultivate that feeling right now will bring that forward for you because ultimately the reason that we are wanting more money is to feel a certain way but if we could fast track that and feel that way right now then a we've short-circuited the whole system and we're feeling the way, the ultimate goal right now, and, B, it actually is a way to speed it up to coming faster. And as an example, say it is freedom that you want to feel. How can you cultivate freedom right now? And, you know, for some people that might be like when they run, they feel free or when they have a day with no appointments, nowhere they need to be, they can just be in their pyjamas all day. That's what free is. And so it's building in things into your day and your life right now that will cultivate that ultimate feeling that you want. It's a way of manifesting essentially what you want to bring more of into your life.
0: Oh, I love that you brought in the feelings. I know, especially since we are both beautiful you life coaches, that that is part of our training is is really looking at, at, at the feelings and, and what the ultimate desire is, what the ultimate vision is. And what I also heard in there as well, which I loved, was almost the way in which being aware of the feelings we're trying to cultivate can let us celebrate the things along the way where we are finding those feelings. I know in my own financial journey, the two biggest things in recent years that have helped has been taking my head out of the sand and like, and this is something that comes up so often for people I know, but just like getting all of the information and gathering it as well as this, like on the, on the again, on the practical level, there's other soulful and spiritual things, but on the practical level has also been like celebrating the movement that I have been able to create when it comes to finances and the little, the little wins along the way, even though some of those financial goals that I may have are still a bit in the distance, but there's, I can celebrate the movement that I'm making towards them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And a couple of things to there that spring to mind. The first is that I think it's super supportive actually to create a rich life at whatever financial level you're at right now. And what I mean by that is getting to know yourself really well and getting to know what lights you up, what, you know, sparks excitement and joy in your life and then following that spark. And so if music is something that lights you up, you can enjoy music essentially for free in many ways right now, right? You could also, as your finances grow, you could you know, go to concerts and, you know, I mean, if, if you were a multimillionaire, you could, you know, follow your favourite celebrity around the world as they tour or whatever it is. But at every level of money, you can still experience that richness in your inner world. And so that that's something that I really encourage is to whatever your means are and, you know, again, as As an ex-accountant particularly, I I do encourage people not to live beyond their means, right, because that's just borrowing energy from the future and going into a lot of debt if you can at all avoid it. But if you can create a rich life for yourself right now and each of us comes born into this world loving different things, being sparked by different things and knowing that there's no you know, one right way or a cookie cutter version of what's the right way to spend your money. Like the, the the fact, the idea that there are any rules about what's a good and a bad thing to spend your money on, we need to throw that out the window. If, like me, you've grown up thinking that it's bad to spend your money on frivolous things, uh, I invite you to redefine what frivolous means to you. If you're a creative heart, you know, spending on your creative pursuits or um beautifying your home or whatever it is, that is a priority. And, and, and so when your money lines up with your values like that, you do create a rich life. And when you start to feel rich on the inside, no matter what level of money you're at, you're actually creating the energy that will bring more abundance to you. And, and, and that is what I mean by, you know, the more money you have, the, more that elevates your spirituality and vice versa because I view spirituality not as simply things like meditation and yoga that is what speaks to me but I view spirituality as something that sparks your soul whatever that is for you and so the more money you have the more you can direct into things that spark your soul and the more sparked your soul is the more abundant you feel the more money you magnetize and it becomes like this loop where you can just keep directing money into things and causes and things that light you up and you're feeling more lit up just magnetizes more Mm.
0: I love that you know the both and of the multiple things that 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 you spoke about before and the fact that it can be true that it is this beautiful cycle of as we feel more rich on the inside there can be more that flows our way As well as really hearing you on the fact that it is possible to find the things that speak to your values at any level that you are at. And I just, as you were speaking, had the image in my mind of like, you know, that example of someone who really loves music and maybe they aren't able to go to the Taylor Swift concert because it is, you know, uh, expensive, but maybe they are able to volunteer at their local orchestra for one Sunday a month and be able to access that concert for free. You know, that there are these ways that we can open up our creative possibilities. I love it though. It is, it, made me think about one of the things that that I do with my coaching clients and I wonder if you do something similar. I'm guessing you do, but I find it so revealing to hear from someone like what their perfect day would be like 5 years from now. And then from there to think about what could be shifted in their current reality. To, to bring some of those same themes and those same values to life. And I love that you are bringing that to your approach in terms of supporting people really to bring alignment with their values into their relationship with money. Yeah,
1: love it. I'd love it. And I do use that exercise. And I actually, before I became a coach, uh, when I was still in the corporate world, that was my first inkling into what a rich life would look like for me, uh, really. When I, when someone asked me to do that exercise, and um, it is a potent and powerful exercise that really gets you thinking. I think almost everybody I've done that with has said, "Oh, actually, it's not it, the unattainable, crazy out there." vision like it's actually more achievable than I thought it would be but because I didn't put it down on paper or I didn't anchor into what exactly I want then it felt like this nebulous thing that I could never achieve Uh, and I think you know ultimately knowing what you want out of life is the key here and also one of the most difficult things right to to uh, uh, sit with that because like we grow up uh, having to, you know, follow all the adults tell us to do and we get disconnected from our own desires from a young age and learning to connect back in with who you really are and what you really want is so powerful to be able to actually have a blueprint for what you want to create. And I love that. I love it so much.
0: This has been such a rich and illuminating conversation so many beautiful takeaways. I'm curious, as we start to weave our way towards the end, is there anything on your heart that you would really like to share?
1: Thank you for the invitation. I think it is a little a little journaling exercise. If if this feels uh, good for our listeners, um, to just sit down and almost from the perspective of a journalist so that it feels objective and and not such like an emotional territory to write down your money story from when you, you know, from when you were born and write down the environment you were born into and the financial, um, you know, the cliches you might have heard like money doesn't grow on trees or anything like that and the attitudes that each of your carers had towards money and how that might have shaped you now. And then see if you can find any patterns that that uh, you are experiencing right now as an adult that are shaped, have been shaped by those uh, experiences in early life. And I think once you see patterns and bring your awareness to them, that's where the door opens to all of these different possibilities that might exist for you.
0: What a fabulous exercise to sit with and I love the joy and the playfulness and the curiosity that I can see on your face right now as you share this exercise with us. And 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 in everything that you've shared today, I just get such this sense of an an invitation to let this be more playful. I think sometimes money can feel so serious and heavy and like we don't have the tools, but to really let it be more of that creative and curious exploration. And I love seeing the joy on your face and, and hearing the joy as you speak. Now, I know, Tara, that you have a beautiful program that you offer if folks are looking to go a little bit deeper. Are you able to share just a few words about your program?
1: Oh, Thank you. Yes. So it's a deep dive really into where we got our money stories from and how they're shaping us and then rewriting them. Uh, and it is a 12-week small group program where ultimately we open up the door to more money but we also open up our souls to more and it's yeah just an incredible journey of soul soulfulness and and practical abundance too
0: oh i just get the sense it's this really cozy supportive and deeply nourishing container Um, and we will be sure to link that program it's called freedom right
1: Yeah, that's right. It's called Freedom. And I think the next round is due to kick off in February 24.
0: We'll be sure to add that link to the show notes for anyone who is looking to learn more. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And for all that you shared, I, I can only imagine all of the little threads that you've pulled out that now folks can sit with and explore.
1: It's been such a joy. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I truly hope that this episode inspired you to bring a little bit more curiosity, playfulness, and compassion to your own relationship with money. And I would love to hear from you. I always love hearing from you. What is one step you can take to start to shift your own relationship with money so that there's a whole lot less fear or stress or anxiety and more of a feeling of support, groundedness, and abundance. You can send me a message on Instagram at Megan L. Johnston or send me an email hello at MeganJohnston.com. And if you've got an extra moment today, it would mean the world to me if you would consider taking the time to do one of three things to show your support for the podcast. You can rate the podcast, leave a review, or hit the subscribe or follow button. All of those things help so much in the sustainability of this show and also just helping it find new ears who might be looking for it. If you've already done one or all of those things, a really big thank you from me to you. We'll be back with our next episode in two weeks. Until then, keep living with heart and wonder.